1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
0: For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's Steak Egg and Cheese Bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mm, mm Grilled onions? And a butter bagel, too? Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.
2: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien, Visit Chuck'sCafe.com. Let's drop the puck.
1: Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and Six Seventy, the Scores Hockey Guy, Jay Zawoski. Here right, I, Chicago. Woo! Welcome into our post Blackhawks convention edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is Six Seventy, the scores Blackhawks expert and gen- in general awesome radio host Jay Zalaski Jay, good job on the radio Sunday, bud. It was good, good listen, my friend.
2: Uh, that's great. Until I said uh, six o'clock and then forgot the L, in clock. <laughs> ah you said six o'clock. i did say six o'clock. <laughs> yes i did so uh that was my i guess the one mistake i made aside from just myriad bad thoughts um but, no it was fun i like uh i i had the opportunity to host with somebody else or go solo and i said you know what i'm gonna try it it's a shorter shift i haven't hosted solo in a while and i'm actually kind of pleased with how it went i had a lot of guests a lot of help from guests like you and chris emma and sahad of sharma but um it was cool to, like, stretch the solo legs again for, you know, three hours of, you know, I can do that on the podcast by myself all day because I can always go back and erase mistakes. When it's live, you can't do that. So it was a good right. experience. I'm glad I got to do it again, and I actually I did feel pretty good about how it turned out. Thank you.
1: And one of these days, we'll get Mitch to uh, allow the Madhouse podcast to actually take over the score airwaves, and we can bring our nonsense to the masses.
2: That would be great, but... That might be not until the playoffs, I wouldn't think. Probably.
1: Well, well, get on it, Blackhawks. Let's get into the postseason.
2: That would be helpful for everybody. Thank you very much. Speaking of that, um, we have not done a podcast together um, since Corey Crawford spoke, (laughs) obviously. And uh, this goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago with me, my frustration with this whole situation where everyone that speaks seems to have a different opinion so at the convention, you have, you know, Joel Quenville kind of toeing the company line of, yeah, we expect him to be ready. He's looking good. And then moments later, Corey Crawford speaks and says, yeah, I'm not 100%. <laughs> and it's just like, Ugh. I don't and I, I'm not upset with Crawford for being honest. If, if he's honestly not, not feeling right, then he shouldn't pretend he is. The thing that frustrates me about this, and I want to make sure I'm clear here, is not the fact that he's still injured. It's the fact that no one seems to know. And shouldn't you know, shouldn't you know when it's your most important player, uh, his status, his health status? And whoever it is, be it Quenville or Bowman, they don't seem to have a real firm grasp on Corey Crawford's health.
1: Well, I think their actions have spoken a lot louder than their words. I don't think you go out and get cam ward if you legitimately think that Corey crawford is going to be your number one on opening night no questions asked i think that you go out and you get somebody uh somebody else to fill that role like an andre pavlek or something like that you don't go out and get a guy like cam ward who's used to being the guy and being the starter in a system i don't think that you make that move and shell out you know three million bucks and a no trade clause if you think that Corey Crawford is guaranteed going to be between the pipes night one. Now I think that Joel Quenville potentially could be kind of lighting some fire under Corey Crawford to kind of get back on the ice and motivate him. If like, maybe that's been an issue is that Crawford's maybe being a little bit too cautious. I'll Derrick Derek Rose, that is entirely possible within the realm of possibility. We discussed that on the score on Sunday night and we have many times on the podcast, we've discussed it. So I, I think that, maybe like Corey Crawford is obviously going to kind of hedge and be pretty cautious. I mean, it is his to to be blunt. It is his head after all. I mean, the concussion or whatever he suffered, the injury occurred to him. And if he doesn't think he's a hundred percent, then I agree with you that it's better for him to be honest. But at the same time, I think it's probably at least somewhat understandable what, joel and stan are saying which is that they expect him to be out on the ice week one and they're preparing as if he's going to be i think that both statements despite being kind of obviously contradictory i think are both kind of understandable too
2: yeah and i get that i get, I get q wanting to put pressure on. i think the difference is though when you made the comparison to derrick rose the difference between a knee and a head right is you can see like okay look your knee is healed here's an mri and it's proving to me that your knee is is fine and stable and you've passed every test, right, and everything you've gone through with the doctor says you're ready. We can look at it and see it ready, right, with an X-ray or an MRI. With a concussion or a vertigo or whatever it is he was dealing with, that's more of you have to take the player's word for it. And I'm kind of an always side with the players kind of guy, and Corey Crawford's got a lot of pride, and I think he's a guy that wants to play. He wants to be out there. I've never seen anything that suggests – to me, that Corey Crawford is not motivated or is not a competitor or anything like that. I just, uh, I don't know, man. It's it just, I, I know the Hawks have to be cautious and I know they don't want to say too much and, and maybe they know more than we're giving them credit for, but I just think it's a bad look, especially. And Crawford acknowledged the rumors, all those rumors that we've heard all summer about the off ice stuff. He acknowledged that, right? He said, when these things happen, those sort of rumors are going to be around. He acknowledged it. And the more the Hawks and him are off the same page, the more those sort of rumors are going to grow and speculate and burn. We've discussed this before. I don't want to talk it into the ground, but the thing that just bugs me is the disconnect. There should be a team. I don't want to say like a team statement, but Corey and Stan and Jill, whatever the message is, be it he's ready, be it he's not ready. It needs to be the same. Because the inconsistency <clears throat> of the message is what frustrates and, and, quite frankly, frightens me. Because this is an organization that for years has gotten credit with being on top of things, knowing what they're doing, great coaching staff, great front office, all that stuff. This is your most important player, and you have to know where he stands. Uh, I know you got a couple months, but you got to have a, I would say by the end of August, I hope they have a much better idea about his status for opening night.
1: And I think that the one thing we do have to make note of here, and I'm sure a lot of our podcast listeners are kind of thinking this as we go along, at least the ones that have been following the team closely during their kind of championship window, is that there's been one thing that this team has been very consistent about in terms of its approach to discussing injuries, and that is they lock the hell down on concussions and head injuries. They will not talk about it. They will not divulge any details into it whatsoever. I think of Jonathan Tabes. I think of Dave Boland. I think of Nick Jalmerson. All of those instances, the Blackhawks immediately circled the wagons and did not say anything. Like they immediately just clamped down and were like, nope, nothing. So I I get the sense that there's still a little bit of that going on, that they're only uh, saying – these things because they kind of have to because they're faced with the media, even at kind of a comparatively friendly environment like Blackhawks Convention. It's obviously not like the team, like the media is like swarming like sharks at a, an event like that. It's a kind of lower key event, a little bit more casual. And I think that, like you said, toward the end of August, and as we're getting closer to training camp, I get the sense that. We're going to start to get a little bit more of a concrete answer in terms of whether or not Corey Crawford is ready. And obviously, if he's not on the ice when they're starting training camp, then the giant, that's a giant red flag. All the sirens are going off. Like, that to me, if he's not on the ice day one at training camp, then you simply cannot assume that he's going to be ready for the regular season because if he's not healthy after – what would it be at that point? Like, no, over nine months yeah. of not being on the ice – then that's a giant red flag, and that's obviously something that would be a big deal. So I think that the words are acceptable, like reasonable to me to a point right now, but I agree with you that if we don't have a better idea by the end of August or early September, then you start to really have to ask some really hard questions about the way the organization has handled this entire thing.
2: Well, and not just that, if he's not ready in nine months— then you have to question his future period and you might be looking at like a legit marion hostess situation where <laughs> you know where a guy is, is put on injured reserve for a long time and and you know i i don't know i just i'm just uh it's concerning man because without Corey crawford i don't care if you know cam ward has goes back to the form he had when they when they uh played for the stanley cup i just man i just i just don't like it without a healthy Corey crawford i did I don't like it anyway. Quite frankly, I don't think the team is right. good enough with a healthy Corey Crawford. But without, there's not there's no chance. They have no chance. And I wonder if the... I, I'm sure the Hawks know that too, right? I, I'm to. sure
1: they do. And you kind of tell by the body language of the players when they were discussing Corey Crawford that they kind of know that if if he's not healthy, then all of the other stuff that's gone on this offseason and all the what-ifs about Jonathan Taves and Alex DeBrynkit and all those guys, you got to get the... Collective sense that that all goes out the window if Corey Crawford is not healthy and between the pipes. So since we're kind of starting to deviate toward what other guys have been saying, I wanted to bring up the other big headline out of Blackhawks yeah. convention, which ended up being Joel Quenneville admitting to the media that he knows that he's under the gun this season and that if the Blackhawks get off to a slow start, that Rocky Wirtz is not just gonna you know sit back and twiddle his thumbs. That could be. A very real possibility that if the Blackhawks get out of the gate slowly that Joel could end up losing his job and Joel said that to the media Jonathan Tave said he understood that's the reality of the business and that's what they're playing for jobs at this point it was really interesting to kind of hear that kind of collective. Urgency, especially contrasted with the moves or the lack thereof that they've made thus far this off season, kind of wanted to get your uh, thoughts on that, Mister zawoski Yeah, well,
2: in, you know, Rocky said it a couple months ago, and then sort of backtracked it a little bit that you know jobs might be on the line, but look, they have to be, right? The, the reality is, and this is an old sports cliche that I I don't love using, but it's true. You can't fire all the players, so when it becomes time to make a move, it's got to be Quenville or it's got to be Bowman. I now feel that they are tied together more than they've ever been. Uh, I think that instead of one or the other, it could be both if they get off to a bad start. Because, look, Stan Bowman, from the day he signed Brent Siebert to that extension until now, has seemingly kind of lost his mind. We <laughs> Before that, he was known as a great GM who was able to pull off, you know, uh, wow, how did he make that happen? How did he make that work with the, all the restraints he had? He was able to pull off these deals sort of miraculously and get the team under the cap and competitive. But since he signed that Seabrook deal, it's been sort of head-scratcher after head-scratcher. You know, anyone who looked at the Hawks ahead of July 1st when free agency began, I don't think anyone's looking at Chris Kunitz and Brandon Manning, right? Cam Ward was not a mystery. I think we all knew the Hawks had interest in him. But the other two guys to be the ultimate BL doll. end all I think Bowman and Q are now tied together. And if they do struggle, you could see like a Christmas or All-Star break kind of a firing. I, I really think so. I don't know who they bring up. I don't Is Jeremy Cowden ready to, uh, you know, lead a veteran team to, through the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, but um, I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out. I do think they're going to be better than last year because I do think Cam Ward is better than um, – you know, on Forsberg, Forsberg and Jean Bergen.
1: Francois Berube. Exactly,
2: he's better. Than Is he better players. than
1: Scott Foster though? That's the big question. You know what?
2: I'm going to get to this later. By the way.
1: Yep. Me too. By yes, I just think, thank you. I'm glad that we're going to have this discussion later because yeah, that needs to be had.
2: Yeah, uh, remind me to get to that because it really grinds my gears. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I think the team might just be better. I, I think with the growth of Schmaltz and DeBrinket, and I think with Kruger coming back. Uh, The team is maybe better up front on paper. The D is a concern, Um, but I don't know, man. I I just, I really have no idea what to expect this year. I really don't. It's, is Taves now just a number two center, right? Is he just 50 points and a good faceoff guy and solid defensively? Is that just what he is now, right? Was Brandon Saad last year? Is that a reality? I don't think so. But until I see otherwise, it's going to be hard for me to believe like It's just going to be hard for you to have
1: a lot of optimism in what they're doing and what they're talking about.
2: Exactly, and it's hard for me to just assume that eventually Taves is going to figure it out again. He might. He might, and I hope he does. And if anyone's going to work their ass off to get to that point, it's going to be Jonathan Taves. So that gives me some faith, but until I see it, it's really hard for me to predict how this team's going to be. Could they win the division? Maybe. Could they miss the playoffs? Certainly. You know, There's like any any number of possibilities that could happen this year for the hawks and um there's just so many things that hang in the balance and that's why i was not super thrilled with the free agent hall i I would like to see them address guys that can definitely help now because they need immediate help they need it badly if they're going to compete
1: and they still need to do something with the cap space that they cleared in the marion house a trade like that to me is like the big unfinished thing and now we're approaching august one and it's like I strongly doubt that a move gets made before training camp, unless I'm completely off base. I mean, you've said that it's kind of radio silence with the team in terms of making moves. And you would have thought they would have done it before Blackhawks convention, if nothing else than for a kind of a boost to morale, so to speak, because I mean, you, you got the sense at convention that this team is long on questions and short on answers. And that kind of, applies to the fans too. a lot of the fans that I spoke to and saw at the Hilton Chicago were just kind of very low key. It was definitely a more somber, you know, mood than it has been in previous years. There wasn't like the palpable buzz in the air of like seeing your potential Stanley cup contender Blackhawks. It was a lot more of what the hell does the future hold for this team? What's going to happen with all these questions that we have about all these different players on the roster. And, It's kind of funny that it was literally the fans that felt that way, and it was kind of the players to a degree, too. To a man, they all said the right things about wanting to get stronger this offseason, and they wanted to kind of use the rest to their advantage, and they still thought that they had a playoff run in them. I mean, to a man, they all said, get into the playoffs and then roll the dice and see what happens. There wasn't any, you know, we – it's Stanley Cup or bust for us or whatever. No, it was all – get to the playoffs and see what happens. So it's interesting to me to kind of see the goalposts kind of start to shift with this team. And like you said, I I would anticipate that they would be better because they just bottomed out in so many areas last year. But at the same time with the free agent moves that they made, is that really a realistic expectation?
2: I don't know. And you're right about the language changing. The one goal has changed to, uh, get in and cross your fingers kind of and they they keep pointing to like well you know if you look back no one thought much of the predators no one thought much of the capitals and they went and won the cup that's all fine and good but those rosters were stacked and i think you talked about like the mood of the uh convention even last year they were still coming off like what the best point was it in the league or in the west whatever it was and i believe it was in the west yeah, yeah. so the best point total in the way yeah they didn't win the president's trophy that year obviously so they had the best record in the west they lose in the first round, but the team they lose to goes to the cup final, right? So you're like, okay, they lost to a really good team, fine, okay? Uh, last year, missing the playoffs badly, that's what we we're going to call, not just for the fans, but for the team as well. And I'm glad that the players are saying the right things. like, look, we know what's at stake. We know we need to be better. We know we got to get stronger, blah, 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 blah. All these guys, the reality is struck that just because of 2010, 2013, and 2015 doesn't ensure them you know playoff status or uh playoff success or anything like that they have to go out and earn it every year and there's a reason that before 2010 it was 1961 when they won a stanley cup it's a damn hard thing to win and hawks fans are spoiled and i think some of the hawks players are spoiled It it doesn't come as easily as it did for those three teams so now this sort of dose of reality maybe it makes all these guys sort of together work harder this offseason get in better shape it also gives them more time to recover which shouldn't be understated because guys like Keith and Seabrook and Taves and Kane have a lot of playoff mileage on them they've got a lot of games under their belt so some time off to just sort of rest up and heal is going to be beneficial too I saw pictures of Brent Seabrook he's slimmed down he's lost some weight that's a sign of a guy who knows like okay I was a problem last year uh, I'm not going to get any faster just doing what I've been doing. I need to lose a bit of weight and change my size a little bit, change my health, change my endurance. Hopefully these things help. But we've rattled off the ifs time after time after time on this podcast, and there's so many, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. But look, we can just be negative the entire summer, right? Because there's so many unanswered questions. I think that there's – I want to not just do – the there we got to wait and see they're going to suck blah 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 thing i think there is some positivity there is some stuff to look forward to and let's take a little bit of a timeout uh we'll come back and we'll talk about the scott foster thing which i know you want to get to as badly as i do um we got to address the gustav Forsling thing which was announced today we got to talk about chris chelios being back in the fold but i also want to give some reasons for optimism ahead of the hawk season but before our first break got to tell you about our friends at triple threat sports you know they're the place to go if you need an nhl mlb nfl whatever authentic jersey but if you have a team a hockey team softball team whatever and you need to get outfitted you need to get your logo and, and uniforms designed triple threat sports will get the job done hit them up chris at triple threat com or give them a call 708-478-6090 triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
1: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We spent the first part of the podcast talking about some of the big stories that kind of broke during the Blackhawks convention over the weekend, including Corey Crawford's health and uh, Jonathan Taves and the Joel Quinville experience there in Chicago. But now we have another thing to discuss, and that's some of the positives that are going on with this team. And I think we can start out – Uh, First and foremost, with a couple of youngsters that I got a chance to talk to during the media social before the convention began on Friday. And we'll start with Alex DeBrenkitt because he looks very, he looks good. He looks like he's healthy, ready to go for the new season. He's been having a good uh, run of it in the Chicago Pro Hockey League as of late. He mentioned that during our conversation on Friday. And he's definitely looking to go out and prove that, his sophomore season wasn't a fluke so i think that kind of motivation and the fact that he's going to have a consistent top six role from the word jump in the beginning of the new season i think is going to help him a lot and that jay is something i'm definitely positive about going forward
2: yeah i think lost in the disaster that was last season was the really really good news that nick schmaltz and alex De are really really effing good players they're they're really good and they're going to be really good and they're just going to get better. I think when you have a season that's as bad and unexpected as the Hawks did last year, it's it's hard to it's easy to forget the positives, but those two guys were huge bright spots for the team. And you mentioned DeBrinkert looking ready to go. I saw Scott Powers piece in the Athletic today uh talking to Nick Schmaltz about improving his faceoffs and Schmaltz has been focused on that and he's been really honing his uh, off-season workouts to get stronger in the upper body he says that yes the reflexes matter and all those things but at the end of the day it's the strength of your shoulders arms and wrists that are going to win you more face-offs than you lose so the fact that he's focused on those things and he has you know a, a pre- not prepared answer like it's a statement but he knows that question is going to come and we know that he is seeing the same things we are look he was a 40 face-off guy that's brutal that's brutal for a full-time center so if he wants to move up to that elite status he's going to have to improve that, he's aware of it, he's working on it, and to me that's a really good sign, and he's at that age now, where you're going to start to see that physical growth, remember the first two years of Patrick Kane, kind of small, wiry, got pushed around a lot, but with the uh, growth as a dude, and with the NHL workouts, and all those things, he really kind of bulked up, and I think you're going to expect the same thing from Nick Schmaltz, over the next year or two and that's gonna be really helpful with that face-off dot if he can be like a 49% face-off guy you can live with that totally I just think that 40 is unacceptable he knows it and I think it's a positive sign that he is working towards uh, improving that specifically he is specifically working out to get better at face-offs
1: yeah, Nick did talk about that at the convention. Artem Isimov almost ta- also talked about it, too. Not almost, whatever. English, English are hard, Jay. They are. You're... Uh, uh, Artem and Isimov did talk about it at the Blackhawks convention as well, that that's something he's been working on this off season. is getting – a little bit stronger with his wrists and he's been working on getting better in the face off dot, because he knows that's a big deficiency in his game. And he knows that he's not going to be a second, third line center. If he's not able to win draws consistently in the NHL level, he knows that if Marcus having stronger also mentioned it briefly too. So it's kind of an interesting thing that all three of those guys are talking about that same thing. Obviously Jonathan Taves doesn't need to worry about winning face offs. That's one of the things that he's always done well throughout his career. And, both Schmaltz and Anisimov said they were probably going to pick Taves' brain a little bit going into training camp about working on faceoffs, And I thought that was very interesting that all three of those players had brought that up in different interviews because it definitely speaks to an organizational philosophy that they want to control possession more by getting the puck off the draw and starting to get those kinds of things going on. And see. another thing, too, yeah. that I wanted to bring up that was kind of a common theme was the gaining of strength. And I know last off season, we heard a lot about the Blackhawks trying to get faster and trying to make sure to emphasize speed. And Alex DeBrenkit funnily enough said that's one of the things he's been working on is to try to get a little bit faster on the ice, which I thought was a very interesting thing for him to be working on. But it seemed like strength this off season was a little bit more of a focus. And like I said, Artem and Isimov had brought it up and Henry Yokoharu talked about it a lot, that that's something that he's looking to add to his game is a little bit more of a physical edge since he's obviously already a pretty quick guy. He wanted to, Add some more athleticism and some more strength to his game as well. And with today's news about Gustav Forsling and yeah. the fact that I don't think you can automatically pencil Jan Ruda into the starting lineup, I think the door is open wide if Yokoharu comes into camp and has a good uh, pra- some good practices with the Blackhawks and could potentially earn that spot.
2: Well, I don't know if you saw. Speaking of Yokoharu, if you saw the little vignette the Hawks did on Yokoharu, uh, they talked to Mike Johnson, the coach of the Portland uh, Winter Hawks, who was uh Yoko Haru's coach last season and he said like he's got all the tools of an NHL defenseman he's a great puck mover solid defensively smart defensively he said the only thing that he needs to do is get stronger is get physically stronger and like you said this recurring theme of strength uh for the team I, you're right about Yokoharu, man I think especially with Forsling out uh for what it was 14 weeks which I did the math was October 30th so it's yep. not like a huge chunk of the season but that's a dude who, you know, probably will start when he does come back, start in Rockford, get his conditioning up. So realistically, you're looking at at best like late November, and then you have to determine then if he's a legit NHL defenseman. This to me was a make or break year for Forsling. And for him to have this injury, which this is news, right? I didn't know anything about an injury with him. Until today, did something happen it was, in training? It's was really it?
1: funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking about it on my way home from uh, writing some stuff. I went over to Starbucks and was writing a couple of pieces earlier today. And I thought about it because I talked to Gustav Forsling at the Blackhawks convention. And I was like, did I shake hands with him? And I feel like I did. So maybe you did. I it. guess if Blackhawks fans want to blame me for injuring Gustav Forsling's <laughs> wrist, maybe it's my fault.
2: You broke his... You son of a bitch. You broke his wrist. <laughs> You're on Yokohama's payroll. Well, like, I was like,
1: there's no way in hell I did that. There just... There isn't. Like... I don't think so. I, I don't recall there being anything, <laughs> like, odd about it. I didn't hear any pops. I didn't, like, sense anything was wrong. But, yeah, this... I'm guessing this may have been, like, a training injury. Yeah. That they ended up doing some, like, MRI work on, and they realized that it was an issue, and they decided to fix it surgically so that it isn't something that kind of lingers because I think the team knows what you know, that this is potentially a make or break season for Forsling. And yeah, it sucks to lose training camp, all that development time that you can have. But I think on, by the same token, it's not something that you want to linger. It's something that you want yeah, to it. get resolved right away and to go away. So I think they're playing it right. Like they, It's not something I don't think that happened during the season and they're like, just waiting until oh yeah now to fix it. <laughs> I think they this is probably a new thing. Well let me tell you another
2: reason I feel optimistic that Yokohara might make the team. This has been not very addressed over the summer. This is another thing Scott Powers brought up today. No one knows if Yokohara will be able to play in the AHL or not. They've not really determined if he will be eligible. It all has to go it's like was he drafted from Portland or was he drafted from Finland? And there's all this sort of like legalese that goes into whether or not he's able to play. I think it was Stan Bowman said something like, well, that will only be an issue if he's not in Chicago. So for him to be that sort of flippant about the thing and about this issue tells me that he might expect Yokoharu to make the team. And when you look at the depth of this team, and like we've been saying, without Gustav Forsling, I think he's got a pretty solid shot. Like, would you rather see Haru or Eric Gustafson? right? Watch him learn. Oh, definitely Yokoharu. Of course, of course. And I think Jan Ruta is going to play every day. He'd signed what, like a $2 million deal. They, they paid him to play, but uh, Brandon
1: Manning, hey, they done... signed Benny Hittistrosa to a, a million and a half dollar deal and promptly traded him.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. But I I think that, I mean, Ruta kind of has to play, right? And when you look at the depth of this thing, Brandon Manning to me, isn't a guy that I'm going to count on to be an everyday guy. I, I think that, Yokohara's chances when you really look at this are are pretty good at making the team and i think that i think just after with the stuff i've heard coming out of the convention and, and then right before at prospects camp i think it might be a bit of a surprise if he doesn't
1: yeah i think that you probably are on the right track there i think that if he just like obviously comes out and stinks up the joints i think they'll just be like look maybe he's not ready maybe we're pushing him a little bit too far, a little bit too fast. But if there's one thing that I know of talking to him on multiple occasions over the last few years, it's that he's not putting too much pressure on himself. And he's very much trying to stay within what he can control and working on his own game and not worrying about the external stuff because that's out of his control. And I think that that kind of maturity has been really interesting to see with him. And I'm betting it's one of the things that Stan Bowman definitely liked about him when he drafted him was that he had that kind of good head-on-his-shoulders mentality. And I think that a lot of fans are going to be surprised when he does come up. I think that that maturity is going to help him a lot. He's going to obviously have growing pains and struggles, but like you said a few minutes ago, would you rather have that? Would you rather have him making mistakes at the NHL level and learning, or would you rather have Eric Gustafson, who we basically know his ceiling already. It's not like he's a guy that we need to see more of to kind of get a beat on him. I feel like, Yokoharu is a lot more of a guy who potentially has a really good ceiling and we just don't know what it is yet so I think with that head on his shoulders and I think with the opportunities that have arisen based on injury and on depth chart and all of that I think it would be kind of a surprise at this point if he doesn't break camp with the team
2: well I like what you said about him not feeling any pressure and I think a big part of that like and I'm not putting him on the same level as Rasmus Dalin, but like He's not the savior. Right. No one is looking at at uh, at Henry Yokoharu is like this guy has to come here and make things better. No, he's a piece of what looks like a pretty solid future. But I, I don't think anyone expects him to come here and be like the number one defenseman and power play quarterback and all those things right away. So he's lucky to be in this sort of situation where he's a high prospect drafted by a solid team with some solid. Uh, at least top heavy, you know, you got Duncan Keith. And I still think Brent Seabrook is at best a three or four, but that takes some of the pressure off of uh, Yokohara when he debuts. He's not expected to come in and just sort of take over as a number one guy. That's, that's a good situation for him to be in. They can ease him in that way. And like you said, learning on the fly is probably a good thing. As long as the mistakes aren't just like, oh my God, this guy can't play. We saw a little bit of that with Gustav Forsling, where the mistakes were disastrous and that's why he got sent to Rockford. Um, if yep. he can avoid things like that, then I think he'll be here for he'll play the the vast majority of games next season.
1: I, I, I like the idea that he could potentially be mentally strong enough to deal with those kinds of ups and downs. And I think that I'm going to go ahead and use this as an excuse to transition to another guy whose mentality I'm kind of liking going into the season. And that is one Marcus Krueger, who, in case you don't know, has been traded Four times within the last 13 months. Is that good? It, it has been a wild <laughs> ride and odyssey that I wrote about today on NBCChicago.com. And talking to him at convention, you can tell that he's happy that it seems like everything is finally calmed down in his world. Like he doesn't have to worry about where he's playing this coming season. Like to, for that whole journey to end with him coming back to Chicago. There was a palpable sense of relief that I saw with Marcus Krueger. And I also saw kind of a hunger to prove everybody wrong, like that he is you know, excited to get the opportunity to show the Blackhawks what they missed out on last season. He's excited to show Carolina that they were wrong to demote him to Charlotte. He's excited to show Vegas and Arizona that they gave up without ever seeing him play, and that was a mistake. He seems like he's extremely motivated to go out there and to do, you know, what he's getting paid to do, which is to be a really good penalty killer be a really strong bottom six center. And I think that as long as he kind of stays in that mentality of trying to do what he's good at, I I think we could potentially see kind of a resurgent year from Marcus Kruger where he goes from kind of being a low-key guy who's bouncing around the league and getting demoted to actually being a consistent contributor. And I think that would be... A really nice boost for the Blackhawks, especially considering some of the issues that they've had with their center depth over the last one or two years.
2: Well, and the more I think about the Kruger uh, trade, the more I, I sort of like it. When we talked early this offseason, you know, one of my sources told me that they wanted to address three things: backup goalie, uh, a, a depth defensive center that can win faceoffs, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, it was two. It was a, it was a, a de- it was a center and someone to win faceoffs. And, he, and they addressed that, right? And they got, at least with Manning, what they they think is a defenseman. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I like the fact that Kruger sort of scratches two of those itches. Um, I don't I don't want to make too much of it, right? And I know that I, I've talked about this before, and some people have sort of pushed back on it. But I do think just having him here, if the Hawks are smart, they'll use him as that top matchup guy. They'll use him to shut down the top matchup and free up Taves a little bit to, to play some offense and to not worry so much about having to stop you know the the Sidney Crosby's and the <laughs> all these stars of the world if he can just focus his offensive game a little bit more you see that point production go up for him and then whoever his line mates are and then everything is just sort of better all around plus then he's not so dog-ass tired when the power play rolls around I just right. think that there, there's a huge benefit to Kruger sort of taking on that defensive role last year they didn't really have a guy that can do that David Kampf Okay, he's no Marcus Kruger, right? That's that's for damn sure. So just having another guy that can go out there and and play against some legit competition. I think that's going to help Taves a lot.
1: Completely agree. And I definitely think that was the design of the move. And that's definitely what the Blackhawks are kind of thinking uh, with that. Now, Jay, we need to get into something else that the Blackhawks are thinking about quite a bit. It would seem like. And that is the saga of Scott Foster, who was a big star at this week's convention. And I think it would be an opportune time now to take a break, kind of collect our thoughts <laughs> and then come back and discuss just that insanity that went on over the weekend and frankly has been going on since he suited up for the Blackhawks.
2: All right, we'll do that. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. If you're from the South Burbs, you know Marishka's. You've been there. You've had the world famous Poor Boy. But I know we have some listeners that are not from the Southland, believe it or not. Well, if you're one of those listeners, go to Marishka's. Give them a shot. It is one of the best restaurants in the Chicagoland area. Like I mentioned, their world famous Poor Boy sandwiches are absolutely amazing. But literally everything there is delicious the steaks, the chops, the seafood uh the even if you just you're a mac and cheese person they've got some of the best mac and cheese i've ever had great fish great burgers everything they got craft beer up the wazoo as my uncle says uh <laughs> there's so much for everyone at mariska's so go check them out 604 theater street visit mariska's.com or facebook at facebook.com slash mariska's that's m-e-r-i-c-h-k-a-s they're closed only on christmas easter the fourth of july and thanksgiving so you got plenty of time to get out to mariska's and enjoy a delicious poor boy and when you do make sure you tell joe that the madhouse podcast sent you he'll be delighted to hear it we'll be right back with more including some conversation on scott foster and a new blackhawks ambassador when we come back on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
1: welcome back into the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we've been very heavy on our blackhawks convention content here in the last few minutes And we're going to kind of do a little bit of housekeeping here and mention one or two other things that kind of stood out at the convention. The first thing that I know Jay and I have some thoughts about is Scott Foster, who was at the convention this weekend and seemed to be kind of like a big star of the evening on both Friday and Saturday. When I got off the press elevator on Friday after we had gotten done talking to all the players, I literally walked off and there were like seven people wearing Scott Foster jerseys. And I'm going to assume oh that God. they were his family and I hope they aren't offended by what I'm about to say. He has earned himself a spot on the David Ross Mount Rushmore <laughs> of athletes that I want to see go away. Well, David Ross at least hit a home run in game seven, of the damn world series. I, he did, but then he hit like what? 200 that season. Like, Yeah, sure, he had a home run in Game 7 of the World Series, but, like, the... It was kind of a cool story, like, you know, the veteran that everybody loves, and he's going out in style. And then came Dancing with the Stars, and then came the book, and then the ESPN gig, and just... It's like, dude, just chill. All right? Like, it's cool that you had, like, kind of this late career resurgence and this late career surge in notoriety, but man it just it got to the point where it just got overdone and i feel like we have arrived at that point with scott foster being at the nhl awards and blackhawks convention what's next are they gonna put his face on a ticket this season like i just i'm tired of it it's like okay let's let's chill on the scott foster love i'm definitely putting him into a pen so to speak with david ross you guys go have fun over there i don't want to hear about you for a while
2: yeah uh you said it very well i'll just very simply say go away i mean I, i'm a guy that likes fun and i like cool stories and at the time it was cute i i don't i don't need any more scott foster in my life and then today the hawks twitter like puts out a thank you note from scott foster like thanks for treating me great at the convention go away i don't care <laughs> don't
1: be the dude
2: like God, this is so lame. It's so lame. It's so pre good Cubs' cub.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just uh... like taking a good story and like pummeling it into the ground, man.
2: Yeah, I'm done with it. Speaking of things I'm done with, I've been done with this guy for a long time. Chris Chelios. Chris Chelios. And I know, look, I wrote about this for 670thescore.com and I'm fully acknowledging that I am a meatball in this opinion. But my job is has sort of forced me to not be a fan anymore of anything and be like analytical and big picture and logical for this one thing I'm not going to do that Chris Chelios is a Red Wing he wants to be a Red Wing he worked for the Red Wings he trotted his Red Wing Stanley Cups around in front of all the Blackhawks fans of Wrigley Field all the time he's the one who wants to be Mr. Red Wing go ahead I'm very glad you're home taking care of your mother I'm sure she's a wonderful woman. I'm sorry she's sick. It's commendable that Chris Chelios is doing that, and I give him credit. That is a dude I did not see. need to see Welcome back as an ambassador by any stretch. And it's not about the telling Mike North that he would never play for the Red Wings and playing for the Red Wings. It's not his fault that Bob Pulford's an asswipe and that he you know, got a crap deal, Anders Ericsson, for Chris friggin' Chelios, who went on to win two Stanley Cups in Detroit. That's not his fault. I'm not going to blame him for that. But I will blame him for the following. The Nagano Olympics. He was still a Blackhawk. Captain of that team. Embarrassed the nation by trashing a hotel room and flopping out and achieving nothing when they were one of the favorites to medal. I will blame him for being a member of the 75th anniversary team and forever ruining the photo of that team by having a Red Wing sweater on. When he was handed a Hawks jersey, all he had to do was hold it up. He didn't to put it on. All he had to do was hold it up. But now you have a picture of all these Blackhawks greats with a damn winged wheel in the middle of it, I just, I, I just can't. I just, he, he mm, the guy drives me insane. He's driven me insane since he started winning in Detroit. When he left, I was really sad, and then the way he acted since then, the way he kind of came back and rubbed the cup in the faces of everybody and all that stuff. No, they can have him. I'm done with him.
1: His chili sucked too. Well, that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> I don't share your quite disdain it's okay. of Chris Chelios. You're also younger than me. I, I definitely, like, don't I, – I don't see the big deal. It's, like, kind of like whatever. It'd be like if Jeremy Roenick was named an ambassador for the Blackhawks. So I would just kind of be like, meh. Like, I feel like that gets kind of, like, overplayed sometimes, and that's definitely something that – I just – I don't care. Like, it doesn't move the meter for me at all. Like, he got – a lot of love at convention and like the media swarmed him when he came out to talk about becoming an ambassador. I honestly like I'm going to go ahead and confess this to all of you right now. Obviously, you guys weren't in the room. You don't know this. I just went and talked to Henry Yokoharu and Marcus Kruger while everyone else was kind of fawning over Chris Chelio. So I just I didn't write about it for NBC Chicago. I didn't do anything. I didn't care. And I get that it's like kind of a big deal to the organization. It ain't a big deal to me. It is to me. Screw him forever. Are
2: right, you ready to do some emails?
1: <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Let's roll. Let's get some email action going. Let's do it. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod.
2: The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in burbank and darien visit chuckscafe.com for specials for menus for locations all that good stuff barbecue mexican cajun american bar food chucks does it right all the time i'm going to chucks this week ahead of the women's soccer game at toyota park on thursday cannot wait it's been way too long since i've been to chucks uh like i said man everything there is good you've been there james i think you had the uh Didn't you have the hot links and the rib tips when you were
1: there, if I'm not mistaken? I did, and then the last time I went, I had uh, some brisket and some uh, pulled pork, and it was amazing. Yeah,
2: my favorite is the Cochinita Pibil, which is just a delicious pork shoulder rubbed, and it's a Saturday special. So good. They got the cobblers for dessert every day. Go to chuckscafe.com. Look at the menu. Everything there is awesome. So you bring a big group of people. Everyone's going to find something they like at Chuck's, not to mention the tons of craft beers they offer both on tap in bottles and in cans so go to chucks everyone will be satisfied chuckscafe.com burbank Darien, do it first email here comes from ginger steve it's a different ginger oh okay i automatically like this one better than ginger burger uh he says the fact that hosa never won the selkie is a letdown i know he doesn't care about individual awards but he absolutely deserved it at least once his ability to control the puck, drive possession, and war off defenders was something I have not seen any other player do on a consistent basis. I miss him making defenders look silly night to night. That's Ginger Steve. Could not agree with you more. And that's
1: that, not a question.
2: It's more of a comment. You're right about that. But um, that's the problem with, with the Selkie is it's become a center award. Um, yes. so, uh,
1: and, and that's definitely something I think we can agree with. However... I do have to point out, since it wasn't a question, I don't see how you can put Ginger Steve ahead of Ginger Burger. I feel like that's—I feel like, like that's unfair to our longtime buddy. So, Dustin, I'm sticking with you, pal. All
2: right, fine, you can have him. Just like, just like Detroit can have Chris Chelios, you can have Ginger Burger. <laughs> uh, by the way, he mentioned how he hasn't seen Hosa hold off a defender like that. I remember one guy who did it as well as Hosa, Mario Lemieux. That's it. Oh my
1: it. God. That guy manhandled players when he was out there, man. That dude was ox strong. He was huge. God, it was fun to watch.
2: Yep. Uh, Email here from Ed from L.A. He says, hey, guys, uh, Hosa was seriously injured, uh, was injured seriously, and at his age would never be a force in the Hawks lineup as he once was. If he decided to play in the U.S., dumping his contract was a smart move by by Bowman and freed up cap space, but Henestrosa, was a huge loss and he'll be missed is there any chance with the cap space the Hawks can get up get Eric Carlson without giving up too much we can't pay through the nose we need that defenseman but not giving up young prospects like Vinny Hinnestroza. well look if you're gonna get Eric Carlson it's gonna cost you Schmaltz and or Brinkett and or Yokoharu to get Eric Carlson so um, I think that that to me would be counterproductive uh, they have too many needs depth wise I don't think that the Hawks have what it takes to get Eric Carlson. Unless they want to wait for him to be a free agent and pay him that way. That's fine. if yeah. They can find a way to do that. But I think as far as trading for him early, that's kind of out the window.
1: Well, I think if they end up paying him as a free agent, you know what that means, right?
2: Well, that means... Bye-bye uh, bye means... Nick
1: Schmaltz, probably. Oh, for
2: sure. Yeah, you're not going to be able to sign Schmaltz or you'll You'll have to sacrifice at least one of those guys.
1: Yeah, and I think that part of it will be... I'm sure they'll get a compliance buyout, and they'll probably use it on Brent Seabrook if that happens with the new CBA. And I I think that, yeah, Eric Carlson would be obviously a hell of a player for the Blackhawks to go and get. But I just think, like, the price that you would have to pay both in terms of money and then if you trade for them, then obviously prospects and NHL-ready guys just... I don't see that being a realistic thing for the Blackhawks to do at this point unless they're willing to make... Some serious sacrifices.
2: our next email here from Marshall. Now I believe this is a military uh address. It says Senior A Marshall Lewis. And then it says COM Nav Avionics. If you're not military, Dang. it sounds like a cool job. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> I, you know, obviously if you are in the military, thank you for your service, sir. Of course. And thank you for listening to our uh dumbass podcast.
2: <laughs> yes uh marshall says a podcast or two ago you guys were talking about jerseys chicago did not get a third jersey however we had the winter classic in january i'm sure we'll get one then possibly in green for notre dame the saint paddy's green jerseys were awesome could they become an ode to those Mm.
0: um uh, maybe
2: i mean if, if there's ever a time to to make those green jerseys happen it's a game at notre dame i i i don't know i have no idea what to expect from a winter classic up there or over there, I, I
1: guess. I'm, I'm wondering if they maybe go with, like, the kind of navy blue that Notre Dame uses instead. Like, instead of, like, going, like, full-on green. Or at least, like, go with a darker shade of green if they decide to go that route. Well, but yeah. Here, this here's the, here's this the winter thing. classic gives you a big excuse to do something really out of the box and cool.
2: And Boston will probably want to do something, too. Um,
1: right. Make them know. have the Notre Dame gold, then. That'd have... Be- blackhawks wear uh the green and then have the bruins wear like kind of that like obviously the gold instead of their usual yellow
2: well i'm a huge notre dame fan so i'm down for whatever by the way uh marshall also wants us to address the new ducks thirds
1: i love the idea because they've got obviously the hockey stick and the uh duck mask on them like the old school jerseys did they also do incorporate some teal into the equation I do not appreciate the fact that they wussed out and did not use the eggplant purple. I felt like it was a golden opportunity to bring that back. And they instead went with the kind of black look that they have on their primary jerseys instead. And I was kind of bummed out about that. Yeah.
2: Like why not just go all out? Everyone wants the purple. Everyone would buy the purple. Everyone likes it. I don't understand. Like sometimes these teams just out. They, they outthink themselves, right? Like we got to, we got to, it's gotta be an ode to the Jersey. Everybody loves. no, if everybody loves the jersey just bring back the old jersey or bring back the colors or whatever like oh it's got to be a an ode to the or here's the old logo on it. no no ducks your current uniforms suck they're the most boring uniforms in the nhl they're terrible with the big web foot d and the brown and, or the black and, and orange stop it come go back <laughs> to the old colors they look better everyone likes them i don't get why hey. you have to mess with everything it's and they on were a related so
1: note new jersey devils go back to the christmas tree jerseys
2: yeah i agree i agree those are cool uh, they need to be a little bit modernized i think because like those ones that were the 80s they actually look like the nhl 94 jerseys yeah <laughs> so they need to modernize them a little bit but i agree like that forest green and red was cool but now minnesota kind of has that so yeah but
1: minnesota sucks and no one likes them
2: good point strong point by you and i think that's a really good place to end the podcast what do you think
1: (laughs) insulting minnesota yeah that's definitely where i'd like to end it all
2: right well that's gonna do it so thanks for joining my partner james Naveau, and i jay zawoski this episode was brought to you by triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 mariska's in crest hill family owned and operated since 1933 and Chuck's Southern Covers Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. I want to remind you guys, if you want to support the podcast and support our friend Andy Garcia, hit up um, uh, gofundme.com slash madhousepod. All money raised on the GoFundMe page will go to my friend Andy Garcia's family. He lost his wife and is left behind with three young children. We've already donated over $200 to Andy's family this summer alone so we will keep raising money until the season begins and for every five dollars you pledge you will be entered in uh so if you do 50 you'll get 10 entries etc etc into our big raffle at the beginning of the season we'll have hawks tickets we'll have hawks jerseys all kind of great stuff for you guys to win i'm sure we'll get a couple copies of nhl 19 to raffle off as well so um Make sure you visit that gofundme.com/slash/madhousepod, and if you'd like to help James and I directly, go to patreon.com/slash/madhousepod and just pledge a dollar a month, five dollars a month, whatever. Every penny helps, and we do appreciate you guys helping us out. But until next time, thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll touch you next time. Have a great rest of your week.
0: Some secrets aren't meant to be kept. If you feel someone you know is at risk of suicide, don't keep it a secret. Listen to them, let them talk, and let them know you care and are concerned. Suicide is preventable. Learn how to take action and save a life. Suicide. Recognize it. Talk about it. Act on it. Learn more at RecognizeTalkAct.org. A message from the Virginia Department of Health.